Greetings, everyone. It's time to dive into some harvest shenanigans here on the Wind Up Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Mike of MTGA Wines. Thank you so much for diving back into the world of wine with me here. Uh, Harvest, as it turns out, is just barely getting underway here in Napa. We're still quite a bit of time from bringing in kind of the bulk of our harvest. We probably have a whole three quarters of it to go still. But I wanted to touch on some of the crazy, fun, interesting, uh, at times scary things that happen during harvest. Now, this is the kind of stuff that we kind of touched on with the hospitality shenanigans episode where there's just this crazy, the craziness can happen. And harvest being such a nutty time as it is, there's always something off the wall that kind of comes down the pipeline. And it's not typically what Mother Nature's doing. It's just because you are working with a bunch of folks that are working nonstop, seven days a week. You're exhausted, lack of sleep. You're, there's, you have to play, re, pay really close attention to things. And sometimes things just get missed. So we're going to dive into all kinds of little quirks about what makes this harvest season just as crazy as we all talk about. Uh, Before we get too far into it, I always want to thank everybody who's been downloading, listening, sharing, uh, commenting, doing all the things on the show. It really helps uh, spread the word and kind of helps out with the algorithm. So please continue to do so. Any of the wine lovers in your life that would like a little bit more insight and and are intrigued by kind of the insider information of the wine world, please uh, feel free to continue sharing it. It means the world uh, when we see more and more folks enjoying the show here. So I really appreciate that. Uh, we do have some new releases on the wine side of things, so for those of you that have been on our mailing list or on our wine club, all that stuff should have been sent your way. Uh, if it hasn't, hit me up. We'll get you all sorted out and go from there. All right, those are just a couple of quick announcements that we got. So first and foremost, when it comes to harvest shenanigans, we all know that shenanigans can both be cheeky and fun and cruel and tragic. Right? There's basically two kinds of shenanigans, and Harvest brings a little bit of all of those to the table. You're going to have stuff that is like, man, I can't believe that just happened, and you're laughing your ass off, and you're going to have stuff that's like, okay, that like wasn't safe. Like We should never, ever do that again. Um, and unfortunately, there are a, a fair amount of people that do get injured. Every once in a while, someone dies in ma- winemaking, so at a certain point... You know, we as wine people working in these cellars and doing everything that we're doing, we need to remember that, hey, we're fermenting grape juice here. We're not saving lives. Nothing is worth risking your own safety and well-being for this grape juice. Like, it's okay to just let things happen and figure it out on the other side of things. Like, there's no need to go crazy here. Um, so we're not going to go too far into the tragic nature of the shenanigans because uh, it's it's stuff that just isn't great to talk about, but it does happen. But because you're working with a lot of heavy equipment, again, you're exhausted. You're typically working in enclosed spaces under wet and slippery conditions. There's a lot of stuff that can happen and can go wrong. So you do have to try and maintain some semblance of control. Uh, this is where you know we kind of joke as winemakers that basically fifty part of fifty percent of the job is just like cleaning and organizing stuff. It's because of stuff like that. Like you want everybody just be able to come in, do their job, do it safely, 
and go home and get through that harvest unscathed. Um, you're always going to have, you're probably going to sprain an ankle. You're probably going to have a few bumps and bruises. Uh, things are going to happen, but you don't want to be risking life and limb for this stuff. Again, it's just fermented grape juice. And most importantly, every one of us recognizes that we are all just crazy enough to want to be in this industry, to do what we do, because it's not easy. It's a shit ton of work. It's exhausting, at times very unforgiving, and can feel unrewarding because of that at times as well. And you have to just kind of keep your head down and keep plugging along. You definitely go through these moments of like, I can't believe I'm doing this. And that's where I want to start, is at the very beginning of Harvest. When you're just getting in, when you have your first couple of lots come in, you're just kind of starting to get into a groove and into shape. And for me, it typically happens the second week of harvest. By this point, I've done my harvest weigh-in, which is what uh, a few uh, friends and I do, is you typically lose a few LBs uh, when you're working as much as we do this time of year. So we all do like a harvest weigh-in. We see how much we're basically not eating uh, during harvest. Because I think last year I lost like eight or, no, nah, it was probably closer, like 12 pounds last harvest. Over the course of a couple of months. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so we do our harvest weigh-in because we're like, yeah, this is just, this is what happens. You know, it's it's not exact. I wouldn't recommend it for anyone trying to lose a few LBs. It's probably not the uh, healthiest way to go about it. But a good few months in the cellar will definitely slim you up a little bit. Uh, that's for sure. But once you get into that second week or so, you're tired, you're sore, you're already a little bit exhausted. And there's a couple of days in there where you're just like, why on earth do I do this to myself? Like, I keep coming back for this punishment. It's so, like, the days are so long. It's so much work. No one's going to get the done work, the work done for you. See, my brain, I'm already switching words up. Like, my harvest brain, like, it hasn't even really started. My harvest brain is already, like, in full bore, just, bleh. It's turning into mush, slowly but surely. So I have an extra cup of coffee in my hand right now. For those, for those watching and even for those listening, when you hear that brief pause, that means I'm injecting more caffeine into my system. So you just have like you just have these moments where you're just like, why do I do this? What made me want like can I is there anything else I could do other than want making wine? Because it can just be so brutal at times. And once you're getting into harvest shape, those first couple of weeks are really tough because you're just you're trying to work out all the kinks. At that point in time, you're working with equipment that you probably haven't turned on in about a year. Um, you probably tested it and make sure it kind of works um, or that it mostly works. And now you're putting it to use and you're just hoping stuff doesn't break and that you can actually do the work that you want to do. So that's where we're going to start is with the beginning of harvest and frankly, kind of the cruel shenanigans that come your way. Not the tragic one. The tra tragic ones are not, you know, great. But these are more like not so much funny, haha, but funny like, oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> so... Speaking of the equipment side of things, this is, for some reason, for some reason, this is just what always happens. And this is what we do is that leading up, the weeks kind of leading up into harvest is we start testing all the equipment. We, we get the pumps going, we're getting everything sanitized, all the hoses, uh, the crusher, the destemmer, the sorting line, the press. I mean, we're looking at everything. Everything's getting serviced. Everything's, we're replacing parts and fixing things where they need to be, you know, fixed. So that way, theoretically, we can just get into the work and do what we ought to do. And no joke, the first 
the first batch of red wine grapes that came in this year, this happens, is that we have a, a dumper that basically dumps the grapes onto the sorting line. The forklift puts the bin of grapes up into the dumper. We have a little remote control that can dump it onto the sorting table so we can sort through all this. So we're actually doing this for uh, Brittany, uh, Brittany's uh, Blair Payton project. Uh, her Grenache came in and we're hand sorting through all of it. And yet we get through two of the bins. Everything's going great. You know, we're flying through the work that morning and then we go to the, dump the third bin and just boom, nothing happens. Like, okay, well, all right, maybe the thing, it does it does have a tendency to overheat. I know that because it has happened before. So we shut everything off. We wait a couple of minutes, turn it back on. <sighs> Nothing. No hydraulic pressure in the dumper. We can't get it to dump. We have literally one more bin to do. Just one. Not even, like, we're talking maybe 20 minutes of work on the sorting line that we got to knock out. And, of course, the friggin' thing breaks and just doesn't work. So you have to unload it, get the forklift, put the uh, dump, uh, we have these forks on the forklift that'll rotate so we can dump the bin kind of more, I guess, manually on the forklift. That takes an extra set of hands away from the sorting table. More grapes end up on the sorting table than they should be because you can't control it as well. It backs everything up. Grapes are flying left, right, and center. It's just like, it just, like that kind of stuff just snowballs on you. And it's like this little thing, this one like hydraulic little piston just wouldn't do what it's supposed to do. We couldn't figure it out in a reasonable amount of time. So you have to go to plan B and adjust and overcome and just go from there. Like th Those are like the little things that happen. Even though you've triple checked, double checked, done everything under the sun to make sure that your equipment's going to work, these cruel little shenanigans pop up and say, hey, just because I feel like it, we're going to break down on the last bin you have today because we just want you to be here longer than you're supposed to. And the hours stack up and they stack up and they stack up from there. Just stuff breaks. Stuff always breaks during harvest. And I can't for the life of me figure out why. Uh, last harvest we had, we have a glycol system uh, for our tanks that allows us to cool them down or heat them up. It basically has two settings on it. It's not super fancy, but it gets the job done. It gets really fucking cold or really fucking hot. Those are the two settings that we have on our glycol system. Um, and sure enough, it's running. We're actually trying to chill down a tank uh, to do a cold soak. And uh, Juan, who was helping me out at Con Valley last year, I was making all those wines, uh, comes running over to me, is yelling, hey, the pump, the pump, the pump. And I go, okay, let me go run and check over it out. And sure enough, the like front housing of the glycol pump had just like fallen out. Like It's just on the floor, and there's just antifreeze going everywhere, just absolutely everywhere and of course naturally the the shutoff and the plug and everything is on the other side of the pump because why wouldn't it be so you get to walk through this just being showered in antifreeze turn everything off unplug it close valves and then you're done and you're just sitting there dripping in that goopy mess like all right i'm gonna be cold for the rest of the day because this isn't gonna like just dry out for those of you that don't know what you know glycol is or what antifreeze is you can probably imagine and that happened man that happened like early in the morning too that was like eight or nine in the morning i got to work the full rest of the day just soaking wet cold miserable cruel shenanigans cruel shenanigans and then on top of that <clears throat> of course you can't cool down or heat up any of your tanks so we had to go buy a bunch of replacement parts and all this other stuff and try and like rebuild this housing like on the fly. And luckily we actually were able to. 
uh, we jerry-rigged it enough so that it actually worked so we, that we could continue with the work that we had to do that day. It's just, and that's how it actually, I'm pretty sure since I, since last November, they haven't changed that how it worked just fine. So whatever work we did, I don't even remember how we fixed that thing, but whatever we did, it worked. And that's just how we're using it this year too. Like just stuff breaks. Like these, these cruel little shenanigans just pop up and it's mostly like stuff like that. It's like the smallest thing that is actually a really important piece of equipment that just randomly goes down for no particular reason. It's worked well forever. You tested it, everything's going great. And then for some reason, just on that day, it decides to implode. And now you're soaked in glycol trying to manage the rest of your morning. It's not the most fun. There, it's just, it's so rough sometimes. So rough sometimes, but you know what? You get through it and you keep moving forward. Uh, when you're working for a small production, uh, you know, I'd say that there's those little moments like the dumper not working or the glycol going down, you know, it's like <clears throat> you just work through those. You can you can kind of like you just understand that that's going to happen. It might sound even a little crazy, but it's when you see like that, like bluish green, like turquoise, like fluid flying all over the place. You're like, well, number one, we're going to have to clean that up. Uh, and number two, just of course this would happen. Like this, you're just, you're kind of mentally prepared for this every harvest that as you're getting into it, you know everything is like lined up and ready to go. But in some way, shape or form, it's, there's stuff's gonna break. Stuff's gonna, you know, go wrong. And you're just gonna have to roll with those punches. Now, some of you have heard me use this analogy of fouling off pitches of like, you just gotta see the next pitch. Like the one they just threw is not the one you want. All you got to do is not strike out. You just got to be able to take the next swing. And that's what those days are. When that dumper goes down, when the glycol goes out, that's when you just got to foul off that pitch and see the next one because hopefully you'll be able to hit the next one out, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the park. That's just kind of what you have to do at a certain point is just be able to see the next pitch. That's all you're trying to do. That's all you're trying to do. For working for some of the big guys, as I have over the years, it's a little bit more interesting because when you're working, you know, the biggest tank I typically work with during our own harvest or even when I was making all the wines for the family last year was maybe about 3,000 gallons. Not That might sound like a lot. It's not. There are tanks that are tens of thousands of gallons out there that are hundreds of thousands of gallons out there. You know, our volume and what we're working with is actually very, very small. Um, for those larger tanks, it's a whole different ballgame. And when you're working in more of like a wine like factory where you're manufacturing like a big volume of wine, like some of the producers I've worked for are making hundreds of thousands of cases of wine. You know, they're kicking out a lot of juice. And the crazy thing is the equipment's a little bit bigger, but the same shit happens. So one of my favorite stories from getting back in the industry, one of the first jobs I had was in the tasting room uh, at Raymond Vineyards. And this is, man, this would have been back in like 2008, 2009. And I, I couldn't get a full-time job. So I talked to the cellar master and said, hey, why don't you, if I can work in the cellar in the morning for an extra couple of hours and like work for a couple different departments, I'll help out in the cellar where I can. And then I'll work in the tasting room and I'll come back out and see if you need anything in the evening. And that way I can kind of like, parlay a full-time gig that was basically how I created my own first like job in the industry um, I got the tasting room job and was not making decent money but not enough to move out from my parents house so I was like all right I gotta like we gotta work on that so got this kind of part other part-time gig in the cellar there 
And when you're working in a place like that, that's making hundreds of thousands of cases, I mean, there, there was literally a day where you saw just like a, a river of purple going by you. And you're like, well, um, that's not good. Where's that coming from? And sure enough, someone had opened like because on the tanks that we have, there's if you're watching the video, I'm kind of making a circular motion. You have these big kind of circular um, entryways at the bottom of the tanks, these manholes, basically. And someone had decided to open up one of those instead of like one of the smaller valves like that. They for some reason, they thought that tank was empty or they were going to sanitize it and get it ready for like, the next batch. Turns out it was full of wine. And you have like this intern, like basically up against the door, like trying to shut just the force of the liquid coming out. Like there's no shot. He's getting it closed by himself. So you get a few, a couple of people and like try and like leverage it closed. I think they were able to save some of it, but they lost like a few thousand gallons of wine. There's just this river coming down the cellar floor. And you're like, well, that's coming out of your paycheck. You're going to be working that off. Just kidding, but yeah, you know. Um, some of you might have seen in the news, I think it was in Portugal, maybe it was somewhere somewhere in Europe where like a couple really big tanks ruptured and you just saw like this town, this town was like flooded by wine. Like crazy stuff happens like that. And you, it's kind of a bummer because it's, I remember like seeing just the floor being purple in that cellar and I'm like, well, that's not good. Hopefully they clean it. Like I had my to-do list and like other stuff. So like I go check on them. They're figuring it out. They're good. It's not like you leave your crew hanging, your friends hanging in the cellar there. But you're like at a certain point, you're like, not my monkey, not my circus. I got other stuff to do, but I'll go make sure they're okay first. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was just that place was so nuts. Um, there was another time out there that we had. And, and some of you might know Raymond, like they do some really cool kind of vineyard designates from their St. Helena and their Rutherford property. They also bring in some Cabernet from outside of the county and around the county. And as someone's doing a pump over, which is, you know, mixing up some of these fermentations uh, to make sure they're happening evenly and you're kind of releasing a little bit of heat and getting the juice some air typically, um, they hooked up to an incorrect tank to put the wine back in. So they're draining one tank and then pumping it into another tank. And all of a sudden that other tank like starts getting really full because typically what we would have was we had um, these big, almost fan-like devices that were stainless steel that you could put into the tank and it would basically spread the wine around the top of the cap uh, that's in there. So it helped kind of mix up that entire tank. And that way you didn't have to have someone standing up there watching it. Sometimes we would have that person, but in this situation, they had that little device so they could hit start on the pump, let that thing do the, do the job for them, then go off and like take care of a couple other things. Multitask, multitasking, right? Sure enough, they come back and that tank is basically almost overflowing. The downside was not so much that, you know, hey, now we have a tank that's almost overflowing. We need to like move some wine out of this. It was that they had accidentally pumped some of like the really high end St. Helena cab into like some Lake County, like lower end, like California cab. And they're like, well, there goes a big chunk of like some really good juice into a wine that is now going to be a lot better than you may have ever expected because it got mixed up in the cellar because we hooked up to the wrong tanks. Uh, just brutal, just absolutely brutal. The con and the conversations are basically, it's kind of interesting because you hear about that happening and it's not like anyone gets chewed out. It's, it's not, 
almost like Brittany and I, we've been watching The Bear, the show uh, on Hulu, which is very jarring for anyone that's worked in the hospitality industry. If you've worked in restaurants, it's like a little too close to home. You're like, oh, this is really good, but man, that's way too real. Um, like no one gets chewed out like on the line in the kitchen in that show. You're not like stuff's not getting thrown at you. It's actually a little I as far as I've seen, it's a little bit more calm, cool, collected because it's not like I'm it's not the I'm mad at you, it's the I'm disappointed talk, right? Which is just a dagger, you know? And because this this industry is so crazy and it's so much work when you screw up something like that, like and you screw up like someone's really hard work of like their craft, it hurts. It really hurts. So I felt for the guy who accidentally blended those tanks. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's he shook it off pretty well. The cellar master, you know, they definitely went through some like procedural stuff to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But also put into perspective, like, hey, you understand, like these two tanks were very different wines. Uh, one going to be like the bell of the ball. The other one was like kind of our bulk wine project. Like probably make sure you're going to the next tank next time, the right tank next time. Because we don't want to do that ever again. Um, that the, the seller master there was just so cool and collect. He he was all. I've never seen that guy flustered. I've seen him a little bit antsy, but never like flustered, angry, anything like that. But you you go through just like these little instances of stuff that's like, oh, it hurts so bad when you make that kind of mistake. I mean, you have other other moments where, I mean, this happened last year as well, where there's this old basket press that we were using to press off some really small lots. It was a, it's, it was very, it was like an old uh, bladder press, but in a basket form, because there's a bladder in there, you would hook up an air compressor, um, you dump a bunch of grapes in, uh, you turn on the air, and that bladder would inflate and like squeeze the grapes up against the side, you could pump the wine out. It worked like a charm, worked like no problem. Up until the point where for some reason, like the wood siding just broke, it exploded, and, and of course grapes, wine, uh, fucking everything, like pieces of metal, everything. Like it was actually kind of a, one of those almost tragic situ- situations where you like this should this was not safe, this was not cool. However, this happened. We I don't even know. I, I wasn't even there to see it happen. Um, I came back to the winery after I was running an errand somewhere, and I came back and I go up to the cave to like check on things how we're doing. I just see pieces of wood and purple everywhere. I'm like, what the hell happened here? The, the, the like, are the Russians coming? Like, are, what happened? <laughs> it looks like a war zone up here, and that might not that might be an ill-timed joke, but Wolverines anyway. It, it just it was a complete mess. And you see, and I'm like, you start asking questions like, what happened? Like, oh, yeah, the thing just fine. Like, for some reason, the side of this basket just like gave way. We don't know if like the wood was really weak or cracked or something. But yeah, it just completely blew out. Um, And it looked like like a bomb had gone off. Like it was like bent pieces of metal and wood sticking out like in in a in the opposite direction. It should be. And you're like, that's not cool, man. I don't you're lucky no one was hurt. Basically, that that was almost a tragic shenanigan. That's a very cruel shenanigan because now we don't have this piece of equipment. But that was almost really bad. Really, really bad. I mean, I could go on and on and on about equipment breakdowns and stuff just not going the way you want it to because that's the kind of crazy shit that happens during harvest. 
like every story I've just told is like the tip of the iceberg. Like this is the tame stuff that goes on. The basket press, actually, that one's a little jacked up. To see one of those explode is, oh, I can't even imagine. But it just, this is the kind of stuff that happens. And this is where we kind of joke and talk about like, oh yeah, winemaking, it's so romantic and it's so much fun and it's such a dream to be able to work in this industry. Meanwhile, we're sitting there with like a coffee cup that may or may not have whiskey in it, watching this stuff go down and you're like, oh, okay, all right, here we go. Let's get back to it. Let's do this thing. It's just, it's just absolutely bonkers. It's stuff that you just... You're like, yeah, we would tell these stories to people. And they're like, oh, yeah, we could see how that could happen. And you're like, not really. It, it just, like, this stuff just, it's kind of like Murphy's Law. Like, Murphy's Law is the most present during harvest and bottling. We've talked about bottling runs. I'm not even going to get any further into that than we have to. But between harvest and bottling runs, like, Murphy's Law just shows up with a beer. And it's like, hey, guys, you want to see some cool stuff? That's all. That's all it is. That's all that it is. <laughs> that's all that it is. But that's enough on the cruel and tragic stuff. There are a lot of cheeky, fun, and just glorious things that happen during harvest. That might seem a little scary, but when you've been in and around it enough, you're like, okay, like of course this would happen. You, everyone, you, If you didn't take at least one wine bath during harvest, then you weren't even really working harvest, were you? Because you, ha- you do have to be careful, you know, there, again, a lot of heavy equipment, enclosed spaces, things of that nature. And as long as you're kind of dotting I's and crossing T's, it's pretty easy to be safe and sound and not have any of these big mechanical issues or rivers of wine flowing through the cellar. It's pretty easy to avoid those things. But even then, there are certain things that happen. And for some of the big producers, we've talked a little bit about this uh, in the wine additives episode. If you haven't heard that, we did that earlier in the year. If you're interested in uh, what additives and extracts and all kinds of things can be used in winemaking, uh, definitely go back and watch that. It's a very, it's, we're going to talk more about those things uh, down the road. But working for these big producers, you do some of that on the fly. One of them happens to be uh, tartaric acid. Uh, for those that don't know, Tartaric acid is basically, it's one of the three major acid groups that are found in grapes. It's actually naturally in there. Uh, If you happen to have a lot of wine or a specific kind of paint-by-numbers recipe for your wine, you may add some tartaric acid to help give it a little bit more acidity, but probably more importantly, reduce the pH level uh, because that's going to make your wine more shelf-stable, basically. That's your science lesson for the day. Uh, but what you do when you're adding acid is you typically put it into like a solution of water and grape juice. Um, you do the water first to try and kind of get it as dissolved as you can, and then you mix it in with the grape juice, and then you pump it back into the tank, and then kind of continually do a pump over to try and mix it up and homogenize that entire tank. Because you don't want like just the top third of it to be super acidic and the bottom third not to be. You want to make sure it's nice and mixed up. And in this particular day... We're doing what's called a fire hose, uh, a fire hose pump over, where I'm standing at the top of the tank uh, with a hose and a valve uh, to basically just, you know, instead of having that stainless steel device that does it for you, I have to sit there and just spray this tartaric acid solution plus wine and do this pump over in the cellar. A uh, colleague of mine goes down. He's like, "All right, wine incoming." are on its way, that way you know to hold onto the hose because there's going to be pressure and it's going to fly around a little bit. And nothing happens. I'm like, yep, nothing. 
He goes, all right, hold on. So he checks a few things. All right, wine away. Whoop. Nothing happens. I'm still standing there like, all right, well. Um, so I close the lid of the tank, put the hose in there and kind of like wedge it in there. That way it uh, doesn't fall to the ground and start you know leaking all over the floor because there's already some wine and stuff in there. And I go, what's going on? And we start kind of chatting. He's like, huh. Can't, and I just see him messing around with the pump. And I'm like, what? I mean, is it plugged in? Like, what's happening? Like, can we get this going? Like, we got a laundry list of stuff. Like, I got, I'm looking at my watch. Like, we got, I got, you know, 10 hours of work to do. This is not helping. Like, every second counts. I want to go home. <laughs> and he goes, oh, I figured it out. And hits something on the, on, on the pump. And all of a sudden, you hear the pump just rev up. I mean, it's like, I mean, it just, it just starts rolling. And sure enough, that hose flies out from where it was wedged in. And it just starts, it's doing the flappy, flatable and waving, warm, you know, car dealership tube man thing just all over the cellar. It's, and it's mostly that tartaric acid solution. So it's basically water at first. And then a bunch of wine starts coming out because there's only so much of that in there. And, you know, I'm right there. There's a hose, a not very light hose. It's pretty heavy duty that's flopping around. I kind of duck and cover. He goes, oh, crap, turns it off. I grab the hose. I'm soaked. I'm soaking wet at this point. And I didn't really realize at the moment. And I look at him. I'm like, what the hell are you doing down here? He's like, oh, the, uh, the emergency stop was on. Um, I had turned it up full blast to see if it would go. It didn't. And when I turned the emergency stop off, it just went. I go, awesome. And at about that time, I started feeling very, very tingly all over my body because I am now soaked in that tartaric acid solution that was supposed to go into the tank, but is now mostly on me. So now I'm cold, wet, and tingly on the top of this catwalk as he's like, all right, wine away. And we just keep going about our business. And you're sitting there just like, this is my life. This is, I chose this. I wanted to be here. In fact, they're paying me to be here. This is fine. Everything is fine. Just, it was one of those, I'll never forget that moment because just one of the dumbest things. Like, yeah, there's an emergency stop button. You just pop that out and then hit start. You don't rev up the pump to see if that does the trick. Just just don't do that. Don't do that. And he's he's down there. La- I'm, I, 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 see, I'm just excited talking about it. I'm... I'm at the top of this catwalk. I lean over, just you see me just dripping wet, and he looks at me and just starts laughing, just dying laughing. He's like, "All right, wine away," and then starts all over again. And you're just like, "Thanks, man. Appreciate you. It's great working with you. We'll see you in about 40 minutes when I'm done with this pump over, and we're gonna have a minute to like hash some stuff out." Uh, it's just the most random, like little stuff like that. It's oh, it's just hilarious. You have other moments where when we talked about like the the dumper not working or you're trying to dump grapes like into the press using a forklift, you know, typically all these grape skins and things are in these, you know, big old bins. You have to dig out these tanks manually. Typically you're someone's in there with a shovel just shucking, you know, grape skins out. In fact, we typically have a race every year. Uh, We try and have a couple of tanks that are relatively the same size with maybe like anywhere from six to like eight tons worth of grapes in there. And you get in there and basically someone starts the timer and says, all right, ready, go. And we see how fast you can shovel out all of that, all those grape skins. At that point, you've already drained out all the wine and whatnot. You just have 
all the skins and the seeds and everything else that are in there. Uh, but you want to get all that stuff into the press because there's still wine absorbed and juice absorbed up into them. So you want to get all that stuff out, squeeze all that out. Uh, so digging out the tanks is it's a great workout. Number one, you just put on some music and go, but it's a kind of a race to the finish line. Who can dig out eight tons worth of fruit faster? It's a blast. Just the crazy little fun things that we do to keep keep each other entertained as we're working these crazy hours in the cellar. Uh, but as you're you know dumping that stuff into the press, and this has happened a couple of times, we've had a bin that wasn't basically on the forklift good enough. And this is this is one of those things that could that's kind of cheeky and fun until it's not is that it falls into the hopper. It falls literally off the forklift into the hopper on top of the press, which is about, you know, probably, you know, 15 feet tall or so, which means you got to someone's got to get up there with a ladder, hook this, you know, bin up to the forklift again in somehow some way and then like raise it up out and then like pull it back. Like just stupid things that go on that you're like, why? how did that even happen? You know, it's the forklift's not even pointed that way. We weren't shaking it a lot. For some reason, that bin just decided today's the day and yeeted itself right off the end of it. And you're just, you're sitting there at the bottom, like, or you're in the forklift. And you're like, well, number one, it didn't fall on top of anybody. That's a really good thing. Number two, I'm going to need help getting that thing out of there. You're just like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. This is not, it doesn't need to be this difficult. Yet it is every year. This kind of stuff happens every single year. I mean, even like there's little things like as you're and once you get through those pressing runs, you've squeezed all the juice out of the skins and seeds. You're putting it into barrels or maybe another tank to kind of let it settle before it goes into barrel and any leftovers uh, goes into kegs. And my dad is one of those guys that wants to see basically every lot you know, in its own keg so that he can top with the right wine and all this kind of stuff. So he's got like 40 different kegs going on. And unbeknownst to me, you know, he seals all these kegs. We have these little stainless steel discs and gaskets and we can, and clamps that we can close these kegs off. That way they don't slosh and spill and do all these other things. The problem with doing that right after a pressing run or during harvest is that those kegs are, there's juice in there that's still fermenting. So that keg is literally building up pressure on the inside because it has nowhere to go. So when you're someone like me walking through the cellar and you go to open one of these kegs because you think you're going to be topping wine from the prior vintage, you open it up and you hear a very loud hissing that's getting louder, you just duck and cover. And sure enough, as soon as I twisted that clamp just a little too far, kaboom, it just wine geyser to the ceiling. Wine went everywhere. We're talking like your standard 15 gallon or so keg that just had a, a hair left in it. It just went everywhere. I'm soaked in purple. Everything around me is soaked in purple. And also I come to realize that there's about eight more of these kegs that are cinched down. And now we have, in essence, a bunch of like ticking time bombs in the cellar that if anyone tries to open any one of these, it's going to do the same thing it did to me. So we have to like, as best we can, get those out of the cellar, slowly loosen them and open them to relieve that pressure so that they don't explode and on any one of us like it did to me. It's just like, huh? How? What? Why? Why am I soaked in purple right now? This doesn't need to be a thing. Who cinched these kegs down? Why are you doing this? We have, we have fermentation bungs and things that we can allow this pressure to off, like this doesn't need to be a thing. And sometimes it is. 
it's just like, man, those days when you come home soaked in purple, that was my wine bath last year was opening that keg. It was just like, oh, I smell like Cabernet and I'm going to smell like Cabernet for the rest of the day. And this is why we drink beer and whiskey during harvest. This is why. This is why. That's why there's a bottle of bourbon in the fridge. And that's what I'm going to have as soon as I'm done with the day today. That's just how it is. I mean, from there, you have other stuff. I, the amount of times I've gotten a forklift stuck in the mud, is, that happens at least once a year. You get a, you have to go get a tractor or um, your truck and pull that sucker out. And, you know, when you have like a 9,000-pound a vehicle in the form of a forklift with no traction whatsoever, trying to get that out of the mud is not the most fun thing in the world. Uh, shoot, you have plenty of beers stashed away so that if, you know, it's been a particularly long day that you can sit there and just be comrades in the cellar you flip over a five gallon bucket you just sit there on your little stool and you enjoy a cold one and you just commiserate about the madness that you're going through and all these crazy cheeky fun cruel shenanigans to try and avoid the tragic ones as best you can it's just there's so much that happens and there's so much going on and like I said earlier, the, like all these little stories, these are just tips of the iceberg. Like there are so, I mean, everyone around the world who's worked in a cellar has a story like this that is completely different than anything that I've just gone through. Uh, there's so many moving parts. There's so many pieces of equipment. There's so much wine and juice and tank. And it's just, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on when it comes to your harvest shenanigans. And it's probably not nearly as interesting as some of the hospitality stuff because that's when you're engaging with people uh, and you you have like these crazy dynamics uh, around folks that have been overserved when it comes to wine um, or just there to party and you know do all kinds of crazy things. Uh, but the, in the cellar behind the scenes, it's equally that, just maybe a little different because that's when you the wine that's you know, you're consuming right now. Uh, if you have a glass laying around and you had a glass of wine last night, there's probably one of these stories that went into making that wine, uh, which is what I adore about these shen harvest shenanigans is that behind every single wine that's probably on a shelf somewhere, there's one of these crazy stories that you just would never believe, uh, which is why we kind of jokingly say, once you see what goes into making a bottle of wine, you'll never complain about paying the price for it again because man there's a lot of crazy stuff just to get through harvest much less in the bottle so thank you all so much for tuning in this has been another episode of the wind up podcast uh, please continue to rate review subscribe share do all the things we really really appreciate it um, I hope you enjoyed this episode um, I didn't do my normal harvest update this week because there was nothing to update um, we are in a very much a holding pattern and waiting for grapes to come in. We're going to have more updates in the upcoming weeks uh, once they finally start to do so. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram page. Uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube where you can actually see this video of me talking and dancing around in my home office slash studio slash wine storage room uh, to you know engage a little more and say hey and all that good stuff. Uh, we have a lot more a lot more coming with the harvest really kicking into high gear in the next uh, week, week and a half or so. So as always, one more time, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next week. Uh, next week, I have not exa exactly decided what the topic is going to be just yet. I have a couple things in the works with harvest being kind of so slow and easy going. 
I'm not quite sure. Uh, but on the 25th of this month, uh, so in a couple of weeks, that's going to be our next Q&A session. So please make sure to submit your questions. You can do so in the comments section of any of our social media networks uh, at MTG Wines on YouTube, Facebook, uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, for those of you that are out there. Uh, you can also go to our website, mtgawines.com, scroll down to the bottom, there's a little form that you can fill out and send in with any wine-related questions or hospitality-related questions. Um, that's, so that'll be the Q&A on the 25th. Uh, but until then, we will see you next week. Have a great rest of your week, weekend, and the whole nine, and we'll see you right back here for a new episode. Cheers.